0: All right, so we're starting a new series today. Uh, I'm going to invite you, if you have your Bibles, to go ahead and turn to, it's going to be really hard, turn to Genesis chapter 1. All right, so if you know anything about the Bible, this is the very first chapter of the Bible, so you're going to go to the very beginning. All right, Uh, we're going to start this new, you know, over the last few weeks, uh, we have been looking at other faith traditions. We've looked at Hinduism, Judaism, Islam, Buddhism. Uh, And the hope was that you would learn a little bit about some of the other faith traditions, and I hope you did that. It was also to help you kind of better familiarize where we stand um, in agreement and in contrast uh, in in the hopes that we're able to love our neighbors and minister to our neighbors. Uh, This series is really gonna kind of expand the idea of Christianity so that we kind of better feel for what it is that we believe. For some of us, this may just be a great reminder, uh, and for some of us, we may get some things in there that that push us to stop and think about uh, what it is that we believe as followers of Jesus. And so we're going to start this morning uh, with a few select passages uh, in Genesis 1. So if you'll start with me in verse 1. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was without shape or form. It was dark over the deep sea, and God's wind swept over the waters. God said, let there be light. And so light appeared. God saw how good the light was. Then if you'll jump down to verse 26. Then God said, let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the earth and all the crawling things on earth. God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them male and female. God created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fertile and multiply. Fill the earth and master it. Take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and everything crawling on the ground. Then God said, I now give to you all the plants on the earth that yield seeds and all the trees whose fruit produces its seeds within it. These will be your food. To all wildlife, to all the birds in the sky, and to everything crawling on the ground, to everything that breathes, I give all the green grasses for food. And that's what happened. God saw everything he had made it was supremely good. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Throughout the biblical narrative, what you can see if you look is you can see a metaphor that runs throughout, which is a metaphor of the garden. Uh, creation occurs in a garden. If you go and read the end of Revelation, we come back to a garden. Uh, Jesus is uh, wrestles with death where but in a garden. John tells us in his gospel that when Jesus is buried, he's buried in a garden. So you see this running theme throughout so we can stop and kind of think about what do we learn from the garden? In some ways, our most fundamental story can be told just through this metaphor if we begin to look at it. Now the first creation story that we get, we're going to look at that today, which is in Genesis chapter 1. There's two creation stories. You get Genesis 1 and then you get the story that's in Genesis 2 and 3. And those are thought to kind of be from two traditions that we kind of mesh together. And Just like sometimes when we struggle when we read the Gospels to separate those, it's sometimes hard for us to kind of think about the, the creation stories as separate. However, there are some, there's some differences and perspectives that we can learn from each one of those. So we're going to just focus today on Genesis 1. And there's a concept that you have to really know to kind of really grasp Genesis 1. Uh, In the ancient Near East, it was a concept of the king's garden. So if you were king at that time... um, to show your wealth, to show your accomplishments, to show your success, to show uh, how, how big of a king you are, you would want to have a lush garden. Uh, and so you would have all of these water features that nobody else had. You would bring in all of these lush plants from all the parts of the known world at that time where nobody else had ever seen them. You would bring in these exotic animals from all over the place so that people would be able to see those. Uh, That's what would happen as a measure of you being able to show how successful you are. In Persia, the word that we get for king's garden is something like paradiso, which is something we would all recognize, which is the word that we come with, paradise. And so this is the word that they would use. And the kings would literally have people, they would have servants who would pump pump water just to keep the waterfalls going. And so they had these these people that would help them make. And the highest honor that you could get, that we could get, would be to be invited by the king to come and walk in their garden. It would be the highest honor that you could receive. So the Bible begins with the king of the universe creating a garden. Creating a garden and then creating humanity and inviting us to walk in his garden. And what we can stop and think about is we can begin to look and say, okay, so then what do we learn? I mean, why are we here? I mean, what's, what's our purpose? How, how are we supposed to live? These are existential questions that all of those faith traditions that we have been looking at, they all are dealing with these same type of questions. We get our answer really in Genesis 1. In some ways, we can see both answers right here. So we're going to kind of spend most of our time today, if not all of it, just in this first chapter of Genesis So what we see first is Genesis 1, we have to realize it it is not a scientific description. I know that may trouble some of us, but the reality is when we try to read it as science, um, that becomes problematic. Uh, It wasn't intended, was never intended to be a, a science lesson. It's not supposed to tell us the how as much as it is supposed to be telling us the who, that's the the main question that comes in this question is the is the who, and then we get to the why as we kind of unfold this passage. Every culture in the Near East has some sort of creation story. Uh, Bob and I were talking about people who who look at myths, and and some people can look at the Bible and say that we're we just have another myth just like all the other myths. We have just another because all of the ancient cultures have some sort of. Of creation story, and so we can look at those and go. We have to be honest. We do have a story that, in some ways, are similar, some ways parallel, some of those 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 epical myths. However, we also have to recognize that we have some very distinct differences, and it's in those differences that help us learn what we were trying, what the Israelites were trying to say to us, what God was trying to say to us that was different. So in, for instance, in in all of the other cultures, it's multiple gods that create. And so sometimes there's pantheon of gods that create. What we see in Genesis 1, one God. One God that brings about creation. The creation in the other stories result as a conflict between the gods. What we see in Genesis 1 is that creation occurred out of God's creativity and grace. So we can sing being thankful for the amazing grace of God because just the sheer creation of this earth, the creation of humanity is a result of God's grace. What we see in these other events is that when humanity is created, they're created in order to to be servants and to be slaves to, uh, to the gods. What we see in the creation story is God creates the world to sustain humanity. What we see in these other creation stories is that it's the kings who are given dominion, who are created in the image. It's the kings that are given the dominion over the earth. What we see in Genesis 1 is every person in humanity is created in the image of God and given dominion over the earth. Not just people who have authority and not just people who have power, but every single one of us are created in the image of God. And we have dominion and to rule over the earth. So it's a very different picture when you look at the creation story in Genesis 1 versus what you see in some of the other uh, myths. And so that's kind of what we want to dig in. So we're going to go back. So let's look first at Genesis 1, verse 1. When God began to create the heavens and the earth. So here's the very first big idea. Right here, Genesis 1. Before anything existed, God was. Now, we can take that and go, okay, because what people always do, and I get it a lot of times from, from, from children, that will ask the question, okay, well, then who created God? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great question, and it brings a lot of funny answers to be able to. The, the truth is, the Bible doesn't, as far back as the biblical narrative goes, what it is teaching us is that before anything existed, God was. Before anything, in the beginning, was God. That's what we believe. That's what we know to be true. God creates this paradise. God creates this this home, and it's beautiful. And so what you see Genesis 1 being is Genesis 1 is a poem, and it's written in very rhythmic words and rhythmic phrases. Let's look at, at Genesis 1, verse 3. God said, let there be light, and so light appeared. God saw how good the light was. So God speaks and something of creation comes forth. In response to God's word, something is created. And what I want you to hear is, do you hear the power of that? God speaks and something happens. Something is created because of God's power. The word that he says when he says that God speaks and that it's good, the Hebrew word is the word tov. And and we kind of think about good like okay that was just that was good as a composed to great good in this sense is so much bigger than good when you look at the Hebrew definition of this good means wonderful and majestic and like awesome that God looked at this God looked at everything he created and said it's supremely good I mean God created light and atmosphere and sun and moon and stars and, and dry land and oceans. He created the birds, He created the animals, He created humanity. He, he, God speaks all of that into being, and then looks at it and says, "It is supremely good." Look at Genesis 1: 131. God saw everything He had made. It was supremely good. It wasn't just beautiful, it was supremely beautiful. It wasn't just amazing, it was supremely amazing. If you get to Genesis chapter 2 and 3, that's when you get a little more of a pessimistic account of creation. Because it's not God speaking. God takes dirt and creates humanity and it does it in a different way. Let's just rest for a minute. And that's where we want to rest today. Let's rest on Genesis 131. God created. God spoke creation into being. He looked at it and he said it is supremely good. There are times in my life, I, 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 I'm not a big beach person. I go to the beach. I, I, I can't stand to lay out in the sun. Um, but here's what I do love. I love to walk the beach. I love to walk the beach right where the ocean comes in. And as I was doing and writing this sermon, I thought, you know, that, that's my mindset when I walk on the beach. And I look at the ocean coming in and the ocean going out. I am in my head in Genesis 131. God spoke it to come just so far and then go back out. And it just amazes me. I could stand there for hours walking on that beach because it amazes me of the power of God, that God speaks and something happens. God saw it and it was supremely good. I go in my backyard and... I look at just the the trees and the nature. Uh, I, I work really hard to try to get weeds to quit growing in my grass, uh, and they will not I I, I I work really hard at trying to keep flowers alive, and they do not and and but here and I look at the trees and i 'm like, there are trees in my backyard that are older than me, and nobody even worked on them. I mean nobody did anything they, they were, God just created them. I look at those things and I rest. Right in that moment, I rest in Genesis 131. God saw what he had made and he said it was supremely good. How many times do we need to go outside and look at creation, look at each other, look at our neighbors and say, God, supremely good. Let me tell you three fundamental assertions that we get from the Genesis 1 creation account. First, everything owes its existence to God. Everything owes its existence to God. The second, the garden and everything in it at its inception was good and beautiful. It reflected God's beauty. And then third, our lives and all of creation belong to God and are a gift from God. Did you wake up today and thank God for the gift? It is a... This gift that God has given us calls for a very specific response. The foundational posture for us as followers of Jesus Christ... Please hear me. The foundational posture is one of being thankful. Pure and simple. Thankful. Are you thankful today? None of us know how long we're going to live. None of us know what today is going to bring. Are you thankful for the gift you've been given? Throughout the Bible, we are told to be thankful. Look at Paul. Paul captures this in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says, give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Something happens to us. It changes us when we can be thankful people. Psychologists, neurologists, scientists of all kinds of things study, and they will will tell you that people who are thankful, people who have gratitude, live longer lives, have more joy in life, have more peace when something difficult comes your way? Are you thankful? That's what happens when you begin to live out your fundamental posture, your fundamental response as a Christian, be thankful. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 100. Now, we're gonna, we're gonna read this today, and, and I've written it kind of like a, as a liturgical response, uh, because this is probably more in line with what the Israelites did this. And so if you'll know about liturgy, there's gonna be a part where we read it together and then I read a part and then we read it together and I read a part, y'all get the idea. Uh, but, but it's about how we as creatures need to be thankful. So we're gonna start here with Psalm 100, starting in verse one. Let's say this together. Shout triumphantly to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with celebration. Come before him with shouts of joy. Know that the Lord is God. He made us. We belong to him. We are his people, the sheep of his own pasture. Enter his gates. Listen to this. Enter his gates with thanks. Enter his courtyards with praise. Thank him. Bless his name because the Lord is good. His loyal love lasts forever. His faithfulness lasts generation after generation. Read that. Go and read Psalm 100. Read it every day if you have to, to remind yourself that we are are called to be thankful. I'm going to give you a very specific challenge. We're going to learn from from one of our other faith traditions. So here's my challenge to you. And I'm going to ask you to do this every day for the rest of this week. Maybe every day for the rest of this sermon series. You never know. Maybe every day for the rest of your life. I'm going to ask you five times a day to give thanks. Five times a day. It's not that hard. It's not even going to take a whole lot of your time. Here's what you're going to do. When you wake up before you ever get out of bed, just say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this day. You get ready to eat breakfast. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this food. You have lunch. No matter where you're at, you know what? Even if the people around you are are not big prayers, you can just bow your head. That will be fine. I promise you. Thank you, God, for this food. Thank you for this day. Lunchtime, you're already at number four. I mean, dinner time. you're already at number four where you just say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this food. Thank you, God, for this day. And then before you go to bed, when you lay down, before you turn your light out or whatever you do, right before you go to sleep, thank you, God, for this day. Five times We've got to create this discipline of being thankful. Now if we go back to Genesis chapter one. We keep reading in verse 26. It says, "Then God said, "Let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on earth." God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them, male and female, God created them. God blessed them. So to be created in the image of God does not mean that we, that we look like God. What it means is that we have the ability to think. We have the ability to reason. We have the ability to love and to give and, and to make choices. We're moral beings. We have the ability to make decisions. And the question I want you to think about is, how are you doing at resembling god this past week see what we're called it says in genesis that we are created in the image of god to resemble him to resemble so how are you doing at resembling god god creates humans in his image and then he gives us the authority to have dominion in the other ancient traditions remember the humans are created to be slaves to the gods but we're created to have dominion. Now the word, so sometimes we look at that and we think, okay, so we can do whatever we want to do. Well, the word for dominion here, the word for ruling is more like what a shepherd and a sheep would do. God and his people, how he would care for them. And so we're created to take care of creation. Part of your mission, part of why you are created is to not only resemble God, but to care for creation. And so, we resemble God when we authentically live like Jesus Christ. We show compassion, we show love, we, 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 we seek after justice, we, uh, we love on our neighbor. That's how we resemble God. But we also, when we care for creation, means that we take care of the created world that he gave us. So that means that part of Christian discipleship, Christian discipleship is not just simply taking a, a Bible study, Christian discipleship is not just simply, okay, I'm going to be a part of the UMW. Christian discipleship is not just saying, okay, I'm going to serve as an usher and a greeter. Christian discipleship is turning your lights off when you go out of the room. This past week, as I was working on this sermon, I went and I was getting gas over here uh, at QT, and the gentleman that was on the other side of the tank, he had finished up his Dr. Pepper bottle. Uh, and he threw it in towards, towards the trash can. It hit the trash can, bounced off, and landed in front of my car. And so I was getting gas the whole time, and I'm sitting there thinking, now surely you're going to come pick up that bottle. Uh, but I sat there and I waited uh, until he drove off, and then I thought, and I thought, you know, I tell you all the bad things I do. Here was a good thing I did. I did go and pick up the bottle and put it in the trash. And I say to you, because Christian discipleship picking up other people's trash that's a part of what it means to be a disciple of Christ what does it mean for you what does it look like for you but we as part of reading this story we have to begin to realize that part of Christian discipleship is taking care of the created world that God has entrusted to you and me that's part of what we're called to do and then that leads me to my last point the story of the creation story in Genesis one kind of ends at the very beginning of chapter two. So let's read chapter two, verses two through three. It says, "On the sixth day, God completed all the work He had done, and on the seventh day, God rested from all the work that He had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all the work of creation." Now, the other creation stories, when they tell us that God cre- that, when, that God created humankind. What it says is that they rested, but then they continued to rest because they created humans to do all the work. And so they continued to rest. And that was their, their life was a life of leisure, the gods that had created in the other stories. But we know that God is different because God tells us that he continues to work, Right. I mean, God continues to sustain us with his Holy Spirit. God continues to empower us. God continues to strengthen us. God continues to pour his grace in our life. It's the whole concept of provenient grace and justifying grace and sanctifying grace. We know how God is is constantly working in our life. And so God doesn't stop working. When we read this creation story, read it and understand God rested. God made that day holy, but he didn't stop working. To me, I read it and I think he just picked back up the next day. and God made that day holy. How do you think your life would be different if you reclaimed the idea of Sabbath? I mean, what would it look like if we actually, as the people of God, lived the way that God created us and we actually took a day, made it holy, we read, we prayed, we gave thanks, we allowed God to replenish our soul, we allowed God to to work on us. and, And What would it be like if we actually reclaimed the concept of Sabbath. What would, it happen, what, would, what would it look like if you gave up your normal pace and lived the way that God created us to live? I read one particular rabbi said that if he had the power to rule the world, he said I would enact the one institution that would transform the world and that would be the institution of Sabbath. But you can't read Genesis 1 creation story And not see that God created us and made that day holy for us to spend with him, being replenished by him, letting him pour into our soul to prepare us for the next few days. This is an area I've got to work on. But my guess would be is there probably a few of us in the room that have to work on reclaiming the idea of Sabbath. When we read Genesis 1, it's... It's not science, it's a beautiful poem that teaches us before anything existed, God was. And that tells us that we are, our foundational posture is to be thankful. It's a story that tells us that we are created in order to resemble God, to care for creation. And it's a story that tells us that when God created us, he knew us better than we know ourselves. And he said this day, is a day to rest. Let's pray. Most gracious God, we are so thankful for this day. Thankful that out of your grace and love, you created us. You gave us this day. Help us, God. Help us to build a lifestyle of thankfulness and gratitude towards you. Help us to recognize that everything that we have, everything that exists comes from you. Help us, God, to be committed to living lives that resemble you. Help us to know that we are created in your image and help us to know that that everyone we meet is created in your image. Help us God to take serious the care for creation. And Lord, help us to recognize that you know us better than we know ourselves. Help us to pause. be renewed. Let your spirit work in us. Help us to not get so busy that we forget one of the things that you taught us in the very beginning was that we needed to rest in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.